This is season two, episode three. S- or if you're counting, this is episode episode nine. Nine. I'm David Beckham, <laughs> and I'm David Beckham. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm Jordan, and I'm Tim, and this is failures, flops, and fiascos. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Tim. So what are we going to talk about tonight? What are we going to talk about? A little thing called disco. Oh, yeah. Before we get into disco, what are your thoughts about it? I enjoy disco. Um, Not immensely, but there are times throughout the year that I can listen to disco. Okay. Now... This happened back in the, I'm assuming disco was a big thing in the 70s. Yeah. Were you around in the 70s? Uh, I was a baby, but yeah. I was born in 77. Okay. Was disco a big part of your childhood? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. That's good. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is about the destruction of disco. Yes. Specifically, we're going to talk about Disco Demolition Night. Oh, yeah. When did this happen? This was the summer of 1979. Okay. And it happened in a place called Chicago. Oh, yeah, Chicago. Happened at Comiskey Park? Comiskey Park, yeah. Yeah. Where the White Sox used to play. Okay. Yeah. It's not where they play now, right? Uh, Well, I think they do have a new stadium, but... It started off as the new Comiskey, I believe, and then they and now it's something else. I went there this last summer, which was kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah. To com- com- Oh, not Comiskey Park. The, the new, new one. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we already did a baseball episode, right? Yes. And that was a fun one. Yes. Ten cent beer very night. Fun. Yep. That was great. But this is actually about disco. Okay. So take a second and combine disco and baseball in your head. Okay, I don't know if you can. It brings up a lot of weird images. Afros. I know a lot of players back then had afros, so maybe that was part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that's what I'm kind of picturing, right? Disco, baseball, just a miserable experience for everybody involved. Yeah. Well, the Chicagoans attending the White Sox and Tigers game on July of 1979 saw on the field what was complete pandemonium. Complete pandemonium. An estimated 5,000 people stormed the field. Police were (laughs) everywhere. Okay. Fires and smoke. But let's back up. How did we get here? Let's talk about a man whose name was Steve Dahl. Dahl? Dahl. Okay. Not D-O-L-L. D-A-H-L. Okay. Yeah. Steve was a DJ for a station called W-D-A-I. W-D-A. Okay. Or for short, Wadai. Wadai? Wadai? 
I'm just going to call it Wadai. Okay, Wadai. Wadai was predominantly a classic rock station. Okay. They went from rock music of the 1970s to disco. They switched. Oh, no. So, Steve was not a big fan of this switch. He liked the fact that the rocks or that this station was rock focused. So, not only did Steve not like this transition, but they even fired him. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So, do you see any potential issues already? This man worked at a at the radio station, predominantly classic rock, loved it. They swapped from classic rock to disco. And then they fired him. Okay, so first of all, he's got he's not going to be the only one that didn't like the the transition. Probably not. Second of all, he must have had a following. So if people hear that he's fired, not only are they not happy with the transition, but they're going to be not happy with the him not being there anymore. Exactly. You kind of get used to your host, and yeah. you like who you. Yeah, you like who you like. I went. Side note: the other night, I went down an an old radio station rabbit hole, um, just about radio stations here in Denver, Denver that I used to remember, Uh and the DJs that I remember. But it was it was fun. Like you remember those things from just growing up all the time. So yeah, I mean, if your DJ leaves or is fired, Mm -hmm. it's a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. I I used to listen to a radio station. And my hometown that I grew up in, and there were two radio hosts, and I loved them. I still remember their nicknames, Jimbo and Casio. Nice. Loved them. Uh, but I could remember their voices, uh-huh. remember their personalities. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let's get back to Steve. So Steve, after he got fired, he took it as an opportunity to find a radio station that was more rock-focused. All right. And he was hired on by WLUP, or The Loop. Okay. Dahl used this as a platform to encourage disco hate. Nice. And for others to join his disco hate organization, the Insane Coho Lips. Okay. I have no idea (laughs) why they came up with that name. Insane Coho Lips. Have you ever hated something enough to create your own organization? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not a bit, I, I don't like disco. I will say that. Okay. I, I'm not a big disco fan. But even I am not going to create an organization <laughs> to promote disco hate. <laughs> yeah. But apparently a lot of people were on board with this. At that time... Let's note what the White Sox were not bringing to the fans. Okay. So this was 1979? 79. Yep, okay. the summer of 1979. What were they not bringing? A winning season, maybe? Bingo. <laughs> yep. They were in a losing streak. And they were drawing in about 15,000 of the 45,000 people that the stadium could see. So okay. They okay. were only bringing in about 30% of wow. capacity. Okay. 
So Dahl jumped on this opportunity <laughs> to spread his further anti-disco hate. And he struck a deal with the White Sox. Did he... Did, do we know why, like, just besides being fired from the station, why he hated it so much? I think the thing was the radio station transitioned from classic rock okay. to disco, and then they fired him. Gotcha, gotcha. So I don't know if he associates disco with a bad part of his life, okay. and so he hates disco, or if he just never liked disco to begin with. I'm yeah. not sure. So... He struck a deal with the White Sox. So the son of the White Sox owner, Bill Veek. Okay. Mike Veek was his name. He said in a quote, said, quote, we ought to have a night for people who hate disco, end quote. So the idea was born that 98 cent tickets, once again, cheap. That's very cheap price. Even for 79. Yeah. Not quite ten cent beer, but um, but wasn't weren't the tickets tickets cheap were really for that cheap too? Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if they were a buck, honestly. Yeah. So, the idea was born that ninety eight cent tickets could be offered to any who wished to come, and demolish their most hated disco records. So for ninety eight cents, you could take all of your disco records that you had, bring it, and have it get demolished. Nice. In the stadium. Well, let's just say that the idea drew the fans in. All right. Cut to the stadium being filled to capacity with thousands more in overflow. So you go from average of 15,000 <laughs> at the stadium. Okay. Would you like to guess how many showed up for this? Okay, so... 15,000 on, on a normal basis. Mm-hmm. The stadium holds 45,000? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 60. That's actually a really good guess. Really? Yep. Uh, the announced attendance was 47,795. Mike Veek says it was probably closer to 60,000. <laughs> and security was only hired for about... 35,000. Oh my gosh. So whiskey bottles were flying over the dugout. How do you get your whiskey bottle into the stadium? People brought ladders to climb in. (laughs) So they they got the ladders to climb in from the outside of the stadium. Or they got the ladders to climb down into the, the field. Oh my God. And then... Steve Dahl and his radio personality and sidekick from WLUP circled the field in a Jeep wearing military fatigues. Man, baseball was tough back then. So try and picture this. Okay. Someone circling a baseball field in a Jeep while wearing military fatigues has never been a good start to anything good. Steve Dahl shouts, quote, This is now officially the world's largest anti-disco rally. End quote. Then he triggered the explosives. Did this take place before or after the game? Um, ooh, I have no idea. That's actually really good. I would imagine because of the mess that this makes, 
that it would probably be after the after, game. Uh, I would hope. I, yeah. I would hope. <laughs> Post-game entertainment. Yes. Okay. So that's right. Explosives. This sent pieces of vinyl records 200 feet into the air, triggering a storm of the field by 5,000 fans. People ready to go, man. They were ready to smash the vinyl records. (laughs) That is amazing. They were actually very productive at completely destroying the field. Oh, man. It's actually kind of impressive. They dug up the bases, plates, dirt, grass, trashed the batting cage, and started bonfires. Oh, my God. (laughs) On the field. Just because you're going to destroy some records. Yes. Like, that was not planned out very well. I don't think it was planned for them to start fires. I can tell you that. And why didn't they take the bases and the batting cages and put them away? We talked about this during 10 Cent Beer Night. Why are you going after the bases? Like, what is the... Why... Like, what are you doing? What are you going to do with that? Uh, the dirt? Uh, like, digging up the dirt? Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, you have... If you could get it home, you'd have that piece of memorabilia. <laughs> dirt from White Sox Field. First base from Kaminsky Park. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. If I was... If I was one of the people that stormed the field, I'd probably I'd probably do something like that. I'd go for something. We're going to kind of talk tangible. about this okay. at the end. <laughs> about uh, crowd mentality All right. and what happens. Cool. White Sox GM Roland Himmons, private box that sheltered his family, was reportedly <laughs> attempted to be broken into by fans as well. Okay, so that's getting a little... It's getting a little violent yeah. now. Thankfully... Although the crowd was unruly, no one was particularly violent. One vendor suffered a broken hip. Oh, jeez. But that was about it. Like, that was the only major injury. And mostly, like, intense rowdiness. Yes. Okay. And destruction. Yeah, I mean, everyone likes a good explosion. Now, this is where things get interesting. <laughs> okay. I like a good explosion, but that's right. Yeah. But shards of vinyl being flown two hundred feet—that's pretty. That's, that's kind of scary. That's, yeah, that's it could actually yeah. injure somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately, this game became one of a handful of games forfeited in MLB history. So I'm wondering if this happened at like the seventh inning stretch or something, oh, or if it happened wow. before the game. Yeah, I don't know. so let's say you wanted to be there and you wanted to witness this event all right but you couldn't right for whatever reason you can't but you wanted to witness disco destruction night that's okay because it was nationally televised (laughs) The the whole thing the whole thing from start to finish nationally televised there are probably people who recorded this whole game and still have it recorded. That is great. Yes. The Veeks, which is their own, the owners, could never recover their good name. So they sold the team the next year. 
gives me an idea. <laughs> so I'm a Rockies fan. Okay. So you want to... I want the owners to sell mm -hmm. to someone else. So what's your idea? I don't know. Anti-disco night again, part two. <laughs> White Sox broadcaster Jimmy Pearsall summed it up aptly, calling Disco Demolition Night, quote, the worst promotion in the history of the world, end quote. Although Donna Summers... Okay. She was she, a disco artist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although Donna Summers, Bad Girls, and Sheiks, Good Times. Okay. Remain... Okay, so those two songs, Bad yeah. Girls and Good Times, remained on the Hot 100 for that week. This was a wrap for the disco scene. Like this this night, he accomplished his purpose. Really? Yep. It was just bad girls and good times. They were on the Billboard Hot 100 for that week. But that was it. Like no disco, disco was never really the same after this. I Wow. Yeah. Many of the original fans of disco lost their interest. And thought disco to be too ordinary and lacking flavor. Okay. Wow. Billboard even claimed that disco was, quote, rapidly becoming the universal pop music, end quote. Okay. So now you, you kind of like pop yeah. music. I mean, it's not like talent I, I you know i don't know i, I get what you're saying yeah, yeah it's not like wow these guys are real musicians right so maybe that's what they were talking about just the okay. universal yeah almost generic type of music yeah mind-numbing yeah like you don't really listen to it for Put music's it sake yeah. yeah doll stated in a later 2004 interview that disco was quote probably on its way out but I think Disco Demolition Night hastened its demise. <laughs> End quote. 44 years later, we still laugh at it. Oh, but yeah. what can we learn from it? With our final discussion, let's discuss a little bit about Disco's success. Okay. In 1979, of the 16 chart toppers in the United States, only three were not disco tracks. In 1978, disco singles accounted for 37 of 52 weeks at the number one position. That's crazy. Yeah. 1978, 1979, disco was like full steam ahead. Uh huh. Why did disco die? I think, opinion? like you said, it was just kind of, uh, it wasn't really something you could sit and like, like, I'm going to put on a disco record and, <laughs> right. like, sit there and listen to it with your headphones on. Yeah. Like, like you could a, a rock album. Mm -hmm. um, you Disco, you wanted to go out to the clubs and dance. And that was the only reason for it, really. Yeah. Now, does... I, I think there are some good singers in the disco genre right like yeah like some of them you listen to and you're like oh okay yeah he or she could actually sing casey and the sunshine band no idea who that is uh 
I wanna put on my 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 boogie shoes. You don't know that song? No. Yeah, so. the Bee Gees. I know you hate the Bee Gees. Oh, I hate I like, the Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees are. I could disco, listen to the right? Bee Gees all the time. Huh? The Bee Gees are disco, right? Interesting enough, enough that they did not start as disco, but oh. kind of became that. But they were able to kind of survive from that, which is cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> do not like the Bee Gees, and I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Remember how we talked about Axl Rose? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, don't Axel. like the Bee Gees. Axel. Okay. Um, why did disco die? I think it's one of those genres of music that only a small percent of the population actually enjoyed. But people forced the music on the oh, general yeah. population. Yeah. I mean, look at this guy, right? Steve Dahl. Yeah. He was working at a rock station and then they forced everybody who listened to that station to transition from rock yeah. to disco. That's a such a good example of people that don't really know how to run things. Yeah. Want to change it when yeah. it was fine the way it was. Know your audience. Hey, we just talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. And nope. sadly, it happens so often. Yeah. How could you do that to your fans? Yeah. Was what Steve Dahl encouraged culturally appropriate? Oh, man. For for the time period, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it more so acceptable back then? Probably. Could that happen today? Oh, my God, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, <laughs> Rocky Stadium, people bringing whiskey bottles and right. ladders and starting bonfires. Yeah. Like you'd get shot. Yeah. If you tried to get on the field. Yeah. Or ta- yeah, exactly. I that's that's a tough question. I think it was just kind of like, man, I don't know how to answer that question. I think it things were a lot different in the yeah. late uh late seventies. I think it's interesting that he chose then to do it. Yeah. I think because disco was riding so high. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of weird. After he did this, disco kind of went away. Yeah. I don't know if it was like when people saw that there was support against disco, then it became cool to hate disco and nobody ever really liked it to begin with. I can see that. Yeah, maybe he was actually doing everybody a favor. (laughs) I could see that. Like, you don't have to be a slave to disco. Yeah. I think of disco now like there are probably a handful of disco songs that are like, that's a good one. I Mm -hmm. like that one. That's good. I can listen to that. Okay. But I couldn't think of any more than... Like two or three. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> real popular ones. Yeah. Is Dancing Queen a disco song? I would say yes. It, it It's in that category of disco. Okay. Yeah. Disco's kind of hard to define in a way. Yeah. Like, I don't really know. It's, it's like not string. like R&B. It's not like jazz. It's not like... It's, it's in... Yeah. That's really good. You got like a generic beat in the back uh-huh. and then like a symphony. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing 
I wanted to get like a disco ball uh-huh. and put it in here for this episode. That would have been awesome. Yeah, but I got lazy. Sorry. <laughs> in another scenario, how else could he have acted out his disco hate? Well, being a DJ, he could have he could have done anything. Which he did. He already had his own organization. Yeah. To hate on disco. Like he could have done something like, "Hey, send your records here." And we'll dispose of them. Yeah, something a little bit more environmentally friendly. But, but it, it wouldn't have had the same. It wouldn't definitely wouldn't have had the same effect. No, not like exploding the actual <laughs> records. Yeah. Was this really a catalyst for the breakdown of disco, mm. or could it have continued and overlap with rock, pop, and alternative movements that began in the eighties? I think. Since it was televised, was it nationally or just in nationally Chicago? televised? Nationally. Okay, uh, yeah, I think it definitely. That was probably the reason. I don't think disco would have lasted. My, I guess it kind of would have evolved into something different. Yeah. Maybe. I think there was already something new on the way in anyway. Yeah. So it would have pushed it out eventually. When I think about the 70s and then I think about the 80s, I think the culture, the style, yeah, everything about society changed so much that I think music also yeah. had to change. Yes. I don't think you could have disco run over from the 70s. I don't even think classic rock. like I think classic rock stopped in 1980. And then it became more hairband, like Metallica. Okay. Yeah. Um, poison, like those kinds of things. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. was this alone responsible for the death of disco? I don't think so. But I think it definitely helped people oh, yeah. realize, okay, new like, decades uh, coming in. Yeah. Let's, we gotta let's make change changes. it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. That was it? That was it, man. That was definitely a fiasco. Definitely a fat. Yeah. Whoa. Definitely a fiasco. <laughs> um, I think uh, talking about there's so many stories about things DJs have done that it would be interesting to do another episode or like a follow up. Of that, go ahead. That reminds me. I wanted to talk a little bit about crowd behavior. Oh yeah. Yes. So. Do you think people act differently when it's just them on their own versus when the entire crowd wants to do like have the same goal? Do you think there's a difference in motivation? 100%. Do you think you would do something even more crazy than you ever would if you were on your own? Yes. I think so too. Yeah. I think if everybody gets riled up to a certain point anything can happen yeah and i think that's what happened both on tencent beer night Uh and on disco demolition night yeah i think the crowd just got so like wrapped into it wrapped into it that they just destroyed stuff yeah um the sad part is the the destruction like i think i would get a little crazy I mean, say, okay, as opposed to, okay, I'm sitting at home and I'm watching this and I have uh, three disco albums in my collection. 
I'm not going to walk over there and just break them in half. I'd be right. like, oh, you know what? I'm, I probably won't listen to them as much. Yeah. But if I had a dollar for the game, I might take those records mm-hmm. and go blow something up. That sounds like a great deal to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, I haven't listened to those albums in like 10 years. Yeah. Rip them out. Let's go blow up something. Yeah. I'm all in. That would be great. Do you know if they still make disco? Like, if bands still try to make disco? There, I would say yes. I, I think there are songs out there that have that disco element. Okay. Um, I'm thinking Daft Punk in particular have a, a few songs that Daft are... Punk? Yeah. Okay. Definitely have that, that flavor, that disco flavor. I was kind of curious because... I don't know. Of That's just the first one that comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. What would you do if disco made a comeback? Would you think that's okay? Would you be against it? I wouldn't be against it. It depends on who. I think it would depend on the artist. Okay. Um, if it was <laughs> listenable. <laughs> that's all it takes. Yeah. Just I, listenable. Like if it, like I'm not gonna run out and buy it. Okay. I would be more out to go and buy an album that I've already owned for 20 years if it was like remastered or something. Okay. As opposed to a new disco song. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's on the radio and it has a good, if it sounds good, I won't turn it. But I, I feel, I mean, today's music is terrible. We should have a, a new destruction. Just the pop? Yeah. What people think is music right now. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. But it's hard to destroy the kind of music we have now. Yeah. Like it's not physical anymore. Right. How Unless sad. you took everybody's phones and just like blew them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny that there was people back then that thought in order to bring a crowd to the baseball game, you had to do something crazy. <laughs> and yeah. it was okay. Like nobody thought twice about it. Remember in Tencent Beer Night, you could bring your own firecrackers? Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? There was that no now? limit on how much you could drink. Yeah. Just drink as much as you want. Yeah. If like, we run out of beer, we'll bring in a truck of more beer. <laughs> yeah. And now you might get a, a bobblehead. <laughs> and a pack of peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, no. Now they have peanut-free nights. Are you serious? Because of peanut allergies? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'd like to see what like what his career was like after that. Whatever happened to Steve Dole? Because I'm assuming... Okay, so he got a new job at another rock station, right? Yes. But after he destroys the baseball field, hmm. I wonder if he kept that job too. <laughs> he started a daily podcast. Seriously? I'm not joking. I know what I'm listening to tomorrow. A daily podcast? The Steve Dahl Podcast. Sweet. He's got a podcast. Maybe we should have had him as a, a, like a guest appearance on this. That would have been really cool. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Please follow us on Twitter at FX3Podcast. Our Instagram is at F3Pod underscore cast. And Facebook is Failures, Flops, and Fiascos. Please feel free to submit your fail of the week. 
to fx3podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next time.